Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today I have Representative Gail Manning. She is formerly an elementary school teacher uh, for 37 years here in Ohio and was a bill sponsor for the original Kevin's Law that passed Ohio back in 2016, uh, which, as you know, was kind of named after Kevin Howdyshell, and his uh, father was on the podcast a few months back. Uh, Representative Manning is the representative for Ohio House District 55. Previously, she was a senator in Ohio for Ohio Senate District 13, which actually both are adjacent to or include my hometown where I grew up at Columbia Station, Ohio. So welcome to the podcast, Representative Manning. Well, thank you, Eric. Thanks for thanks for having me. And, and thank you for what you do by uh, educating people what pharmacists do. And I think that's so important. Yeah, as a former teacher yourself, I, I get why you, you think that. And it's kind of funny because with the whole pandemic going on, a lot of my teacher friends and I have commiserated, shared stories, what have you, about how actually much similar our professions are than we realized, and the pandemic was just kind of mm-hmm. underlining that. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so currently um, in the new Ohio House, you proposed House Bill 37, which is aimed directly at getting insurances to cover medications that would be dispensed under Kevin's law with a pharmacist as like the, the name, who, the person who's prescribing it. What are some of the issues that prompted you to put this legislation forth? Well, if you don't mind, I'm just going to give a little bit of background of Kevin's Law 1.0, and I, I, I won't go into much detail because I know that you had on Mr. Howdyshell just several months ago. But, you know, I think what people forget are we come from different backgrounds. My background is in, is in education, so I usually do bills that deal with education. I don't usually do bills that deal with health. But what I did is I always had, and this was before the pandemic, monthly office hours at the different libraries. And I was at a library one day, and uh, not many people showing up, but Mr. and Mrs. Howdyshell came and told me their story about Kevin. Just heart-wrenching, you know, when, when you think of uh, a death like that that could have been prevented. So I went back not, not having the knowledge that I needed on what we can do. And luckily we had in the Senate... Uh, Senator Burke, who is a pharmacist. He is no longer a senator because of term limits. Uh, He's gone back to his practice, and I think he's a county commissioner now, and talked to him about it. And so we sat down and, you know, we worked on the bill and we called all the people to what we call an IP meeting, the interested party meeting, and worked it all out and, you know, have people come in and testify and managed to get that passed to make sure that uh, anybody that has a life-saving drug and the prescription runs out, that the pharmacist can refill it for 30 days or whatever that prescription is usually written for without having to go back to their family physician as long as they have a relationship with that pharmacy. So, you know, pretty happy about that. But, you know, then then what you're hearing is that um, either some pharmacists weren't aware of it or they weren't filling the prescription because it wasn't being covered by insurance. And you certainly understand, you know, a pharmacist needs to get paid. And so we didn't know if it wasn't being covered by insurance because of the insurance companies or because they felt that, you know, it wasn't written by a physician. You know, so you don't know quite what the problem is, but so we, you just decide, all right, we're going to fix this. And so we dropped uh, House Bill 37 last GA. 
uh, had a little bit of movement on it, not much. And so I, I, I think we're going to have a lot more movement. I believe it's it's scheduled for a hearing. It wasn't scheduled for a hearing this week, but because of the snow day on Tuesday, it was canceled. Uh, so I'm hoping that maybe next week uh, we'll have our first hearing on that and we can continue along with Kevin's Law 2.0, as we like to call it, to make sure that instead of being able to get one prescription filled, if you forget to get that prescription refilled by a physician, that the pharmacist could do it three times in a year. Those three times would be covered by insurance if you have insurance. Yeah, and I think that's, so that's huge. What it, yeah, I do too. And, you know, you know, if you go to, you know, get in, in a situation like that where it's an emergency, right, you know, you're, you're at the pharmacist and he says, you know, this, you know, needs to be refilled and can't get a hold of your doctor or, you know, he wants you to come in, you can't get in for two weeks or, you know, with these situations right now, let's get it filled. And, but people aren't going to get it filled if it's costing them $300 out of pocket. You know, many people can't afford that. To me, if, if a physician writes this and it's filled, why shouldn't a pharmacist who writes it, it should be uh, covered by insurance. So hopefully other people see it our way and we'll be able to get this passed, this GA, and get it done in honor of Kevin and with the help of, of the Howdy Shells who have continually um, helped us all along the way. Yeah, and for, I do want to say it is really sad to hear what happened with Kevin and, you know, it we really felt that when his dad was on the podcast, Dan Howdy Shell, before. Um, I can't stress that enough. But I really love that he kind of took a proactive approach to fix this instead of just like commiserating in it and really took a step to almost look at it from an engineer standpoint. And how do I fix this problem so it doesn't happen to more people? And kind of what you right. hit on there was a few things. One, Ohio, in Ohio, we do have provider status now. And we're seeing some progress with that. So that's something that could help this kind of move forward now that that has passed and it's been implemented in some some form and fashion for a little bit now. But also with the pandemic, we're having issues where people who have low income, you know, they can't go to the hospital or their doctor might not have uh, hours open that they can get to. And they don't have the access to telehealth that some people like like me or you might have who have smartphones and are a little more savvy on that type of thing. So this really helps with not only increasing access, but also the overall care so people aren't stopping their blood pressure meds and then having rebound hypertension and all the health care issues that go with that ending up in the ER in the middle of a pandemic what was basically precipitated as a side effect of the pandemic. So I think it really hits every aspect of healthcare in a positive manner whether it's reducing cost, increasing care, and increasing access to it. So it, to me, it's just like it's a win all around. Is that the way you're seeing it too? Uh, yes, it, it is. And, you know, it's, and sometimes you look at this and think, you know, why do you have to pass a law to do this? But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just easier to make sure it's codified and, and people have a good understanding, you know, and the insurance companies do, the physicians do, the pharmacists do, and, you know, everybody's on board and somebody who's getting that prescription refilled, uh, a life-saving prescription by a pharmacist instead of their physician knows that it will be covered by their insurance. Yeah, and a lot of times with the way that, like the boards of pharmacy work and the powers that be with the enforcement of it. Sometimes as a pharmacist, and I know doctors do this too, you're almost playing defense. When someone comes up and asks you something, you're like, well, I can't do that. Well, why not? But now that it's stated in a law that you can, you're like, okay, I got the green light. I can go ahead and do this when the answer is sitting right behind me on the shelf and in my head, and I know it's the right thing to do. Whereas previously it wasn't spelled out and it wasn't necessarily like covered like that. So we're having to play defense for our own license and our own protection, which is always a 
a little bit frustrating when, the, like I said, the answer is right behind you on your shelf. So I'm, I'm really super pumped for this law if people can't tell that or not. But I really like it because it helps me get those answers to people in a timely fashion. Another thing that well, I ca- and I'm pumped oh, you're doing this though, because <laughs> getting the word out and and making pharmacists aware of this and other people that, you know, well maybe I reach out to their legislators so that it it has a better chance of passing. Yeah, for sure. And I know that's one thing I'm going to be doing here in my home state of Ohio. But Kevin's law has actually spread to numerous other states. I think there's, if I remember correctly, ten or twelve. It's at in the United States now in some form or fashion. And the insurance part, ironically, that you've included in this, which is huge, like you said, so people can afford to get their medication since they're paying for their insurance, there's kind of been a mixed bag. We saw kind of what happened in Iowa and Oregon having different outcomes with the way that their insurance, uh, I guess, lobbyists, whoever kind of promoted it or poo-pooed it, whatever you want to say. Wouldn't it just make sense to cover this so we're avoiding like all those ER deaths and hospitalizations, especially time like now, and we're seeing insurance companies also post record profits to at least a good number of them? Uh, you know, so many times these things just seem like common sense, but when you delve into them, and, and that's you know that's the purpose of vetting these types of of bills because somebody might come in and say, "Well, this could cause a problem here or a, a problem here." Now, you know, I don't see anything that it could possibly. It, it just makes sense to me that if your insurance covers it, why wouldn't it? But as I recall, Iowa was the one that did not pass it. And I think they put out like a $100 copay on there. So a lot of times your insurance companies are worried about, you know, a slippery slope and, yeah. you know, that, that increasing. And if somebody doesn't have insurance, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, they're getting this, this drug anyway, you know, and, and those kinds of things. So I'm not quite sure exactly what happened in Iowa. It's, it's sad that it didn't pass because if, if it saves lives, it, it makes sense to a lot of us, but. You know, that's why, you know, having people come in and give testimony about, you know, helps you draft the bill in a different way or add an amendment to, to change it. Uh, I'd rather do that than have a bill die. Yeah, um, for so, sure. You know, that's something we'll, we'll be taking a look at as this uh, moves forward. Yeah, great. I, I like your approach to that, too, because that's a, a really good way that a bill should go about as, you know, have open testimony that kind of fixes it or adjust it a little bit to kind of fit the situation or to fit the need and kind of make everyone win in the process. So do you think, mm-hmm. do you think that the provider status thing is going to be a game changer that helps get this kind of over the finish line since we're now recognized pretty widely in Ohio and we're seeing some of the adoption from insurance companies towards that? Right. I, and I, I think we're seeing the progress we're making with that and, and it's been very successful. So I, I think as we go forward, we're going to see more and more of this. Uh, you see pharmacists now, uh, you know, especially right now with the pandemic, people are turning to their pharmacists for their vaccines yep. and having great success at the pharmacy as compared to, you know, some of the other places where you have to wait in long lines where you can schedule an appointment and, you know, just it's, you know, everything. It's just so much easier to, to get to your local pharmacist than it is to uh, get in to see your family physician. Yeah, and it also as long as you follow up, you know, especially yeah. with with kids with vaccines and things like that, you certainly want them to always follow up with their family physician. I was just going to say it's it is super important to make sure that you're following up for things and for pharmacists to to know our limit of our scope of education. And you know, physicians do the same thing. If you go to a, a you call your family physician, you always hear that if this is an emergency, call nine one one or go to an ER prompt on the phone. And there, there's a reason for that, as we all have to know our scope of education and our limits. So I think that's key. Uh, do you think that nationally that if pharmacists had provider status, this would be a, one of those laws we could probably see 
get bumped up, not just in Ohio, but it's already spread to other states, but get it done maybe even nationally or by many other states so that people aren't running out of things like insulin like Kevin did? Yes, I think a lot of us would like to see these things done nationally, but it's much more difficult, you know, because as you see in Iowa, it didn't pass when it came to insurance, but Oregon it did, and we're hoping it does in Ohio. And like you said, Kevin's all 1.0 just passed what several years ago, and it was because of of the Howdy Shell family. We we have to have that better understanding of how to get these things done. But sometimes it's much easier to get things done at the state level. I give the the Howdy Shells a lot of credit because they not only worked with Ohio, but they've worked with other states now to to get these these laws passed. And you know, I think everybody thinks that we know what laws there are out there, and we don't. <laughs> Um, and if somebody doesn't come to us looking for a solution to a problem, many times we don't know. So other states might not even be aware of Kevin's Law 1.0 unless somebody, you know, happens to, you know, Google it or, you know, there, there's another incident like that in another state, which would be awful. Yeah. Um, but, nas- you know, it's much easier if it passed nationally than, you know, every state is going to follow that. But my guess is it would be a lot faster to pass them at the state level. <laughs> Yeah, they they don't seem to be passing too many bills too fast uh, at, in Washington right now. Yeah, everything seems a lot more polarized there than it does at the state level. So there's yeah. probably some political math right. to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I totally agree with that. I just you know it's one of those things that it does pain me when you see a solution in one state and not in the other state, and the reason is just some arbitrary line drawn in the sand by the people who drew up the map. And that always is frustrating to me a little bit, but that's all the re- more reason why listeners should share this and talk with their legislators. So that way things like this can get out a little bit. So, um, mm-hmm. when you talk to constituents about issues regarding things like Kevin's law and the coverage, what kind of responses are you hearing? Are you kind of hearing like you kind of alluded to it earlier, a little bit of a mixed bag. Are they mostly positive, but frustrated with other issues? Kind of what's your biggest feedback that we've kind of, you've heard from Kevin, something like Kevin's law. Well, you know, a lot of people aren't even aware of Kevin's law unless they have to use it. So, you know, again, it's educating people. This isn't one of those bills that you pass. that's going to make the front page of the paper. And so a, a lot of people that, don't have an issue with a life-saving drug, aren't even aware of this. And the other ones that are, hopefully many, many of them make sure that, you know, they, they keep up on their prescriptions. And But during this pandemic, they're not. And hopefully someone has shared this with them, their, their local pharmacist or their family physician. It's just not something that you would do research and look for this, but it doesn't make the front page of the paper to educate people, unfortunately. But you know, it is it is frustrating, though, when you're thinking to yourself, this only makes sense. Why wasn't this a law beforehand? If it would have been, lives would have been saved. But like I said, we, you know, we don't know about these issues unless somebody brings it to us. Yeah. Um, so appreciative to the Howdy Shows for bringing this to us so that we had a better understanding. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that you said it doesn't make the front page of the newspaper because this is something that could affect anybody who's on a medication, which is obviously yeah. a large swath of the of yes. our state or the population in general. But when you're looking at especially the, now, yeah, especially now with the pandemic, uh, many people aren't going to their doctors, um, and you know, so that, you know they're not getting their prescriptions filled and. Um, many times they're not even going to their pharmacist at this point in time. So, you know, they, it, it, but it's much easier to get to your pharmacist than uh, anywhere else 
Yeah, and when you're talking, you alluded to it earlier with the snow day you guys had in the legislature for the first time in, in your time in, in there, that something even like simple like that could delay somebody a few days because they can't get out because it's so cold or they can't drive their car because the roads are so bad, whereas the pharmacy might be able to to either mail it out to them, deliver it to them, get it to them some way or some fashion that could make a big difference. And especially when you're talking about some of these critical meds like insulin, now maybe you don't want to mail that one out unless it's in a protective sleeve and whatnot, but some of the other ones you could definitely get there a little bit easier in some of those fashions to get people taken care of, especially if it's something like a blood thinner that could cause a clot or something like, you know, just like that. I'm just thinking of things off the top of my head that could cause major issues in people's health and then have serious consequences. So that's, that's huge. And also, yeah, to those your, are great points. I mean, let's face it. Most of our pharmacists are within five minutes. Our family physicians are not. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, you don't want to be going to the emergency room. Number one, it's, it's just, a huge added expense at this point in time. I, I think many of us don't feel safe going into emergency room unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, no, I totally get that. As somebody who had to go to emergency room in the middle of the pandemic, I was like, oh, darn it. I do not want to be going in here right now. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Not now. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate all the stuff you've been doing. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of comment on about the law for where I ask you the two questions I ask everybody who comes on my podcast? No, just certainly like to give a shout out, like I said, to Senator Burke, um, who who was such a great asset to the the Senate. I'm hoping if you have some other pharmacists out there that they might be interested in in running because it it certainly helps us when when we have you know when we're struggling with a bill that we don't understand that well that we need to get past, we can turn to a pharmacist. So. You know, if any pharmacists out there, them <laughs> You know, it's a it's a really unique thing because as pharmacists, for most of us, it's a pay cut to go into something like that, unless we were to work kind of hybrid yeah. and do pharmacy one day and legislature the next. But it's also one of those things that's really needed because pharmacy benefits, especially the Medicaid aspect, is one of the biggest expenses for any given state. And so you really need that person in there to be able to kind of take a 10,000-foot view and also look at it at like each single transaction of how it would affect. So I'm glad that you're promoting pharmacists to run because it's something that I uh, I love to hear when pharmacists do run. Win or lose, obviously, I like to hear it, but I would rather see them win personally. Right, right, I agree. All right, so the two questions I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. If you could change one thing about pharmacy, not necessarily law, but just one thing about pharmacy, what would it be? Um, I would certainly like to educate people more about pharmacies. And pharmacists. Uh, I know when my mom, she was on quite a bit of medication, and when she got to the point where she couldn't get out and, and her kids, you know, including me, would go, she'd always say, go at this time to talk to this pharmacist <laughs> because they understand the situation. And I don't think we realize how much that pharmacist can help us with, okay, I'm having to make some pains. Could it be my, my meds? And you can get a quick answer from a pharmacist where, you know, you call your family physician, they may not get back to you for several days. Uh, so, you know, and, and the pharmacist is looking at all your meds. They are just such an asset to us that I think so many of us aren't taking advantage of. And we need to have that relationship with a pharmacist. Yeah, no, I... And that's what I would do, educate more people along that line. I completely agree. I, there's so many times where I've caught little things that to me was just like, hey, that's what I'm taught to do and what I'm trained to do. And I just you know, kind of looked at it, figured it out, solved the problem. But because they're going to multiple physicians or you know, they couldn't have access to readily communicate with them very quickly, 
it was a more of an ongoing thing that kept happening or they forget to bring it up in the, in the office because the physicians also rushed due to payment models. So there's a numerous things that I'm completely in agreement with you on that. And, and f- with the way some of the PBM payments are, we're getting more and more crunch for time. So we're becoming a little bit of a bottleneck too, because we don't have some of that free time to always sit down with somebody as much because we're either not compensated for it or, you know, insert any number of other issues that all of a sudden flows in the pharmacy. But yeah, there's so many ways that we can make a big difference. And there's only 300,000 of us in the U.S. And, you know, it's one of those things that we're just underutilized. And even though that number is growing, if you could change one law in pharmacy, federal or state, I'm going to give you that power, even though you're a you know, state legislator, not federal, what would it be and why? Well, at the state level, I would change House Bill 37. I would <laughs> get that passed. <laughs> Shameless self promotion. I love it. <laughs> And we would have Kevin's 2.0, and and we would make sure that in the state of Ohio, that life-saving drugs that uh, you're getting through your pharmacist would be paid for. But at the national level, I would I would certainly promote, you know, how they sell 1.0 that we passed in in the 131st, which, you know, it would make sure that you could get a life-saving drug in a situation where uh, you may not be able to get to your your physician to get that and that pharmacist could save your life. Yeah, I I really love that. And I can tell you're an educator by the way you're presenting things when we were talking about it. And I think that your, your care for people really comes through with a bill like this. So Representative Manning, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me. All right, guests, and if you can, please share the heck out of this because this is one of those things that is really important, I feel like, from on so many different levels of not just doing the right thing but also like helping our profession take care of people in a manner that drives down costs. So it's do the right thing and money saving. So share the heck out of this if you can. And as always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.